May we remember that. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you. Be nice. Appreciate that. Hey, Brett, would you help me, my man? My friend Brett's going to be walking around here, and he's going to ask you guys to hold a corner of this string if you're kind of in one of the in one of the corners or aisles or that sort of thing. So, Francis Chan is a West Coast pastor, and he did an illustration a few years ago that I thought was really helpful. And so, I'll explain this, this thread, this yarn, in just a little bit. But if you would, take your scriptures out and turn to Hebrews 9.27. And uh, there are sermons that do different things. There are sermons that um, encourage. There are sermons that pump you up. This is not one of those sermons. People in the back, this is not one of those sermons that's not designed to pump you up. It's designed to sober you up. This is a sermon that a text that if I speak the truth of this text, if you are not in Christ, students, you have every reason to be afraid. This is that kind of text. I've done student ministry for a lot of time. I've only really worked with college students most of my, my time in ministry. And so many times I talk to students and they'll say things, just tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth. Just be real. And the minute, the minute you transitioned into something real, concrete, they begin to wiggle their way out of it. They start to look for the exits. People say they want the truth, but the minute the truth teller comes into the room, they don't enter the room. It's, this is not designed this morning. How many guys go to the, just, just, just by show of hands, you like Mexican food? It's all right. Okay, I love Mexican food, man. Thank you, God, for the free chips and salsa. It is like a poor man's dream, you know, like this is, I love it, you know. And when you go to the, and when you go to the Mexican restaurant, you know, they have the mild and they have the spicy. How many guys like the mild? Say, yeah. yeah. How many people like the spicy? Say, uh-huh. Yeah. Now, there's a third option at the Mexican restaurant. You have to pay for it. It's the nuclear option. Okay. And actually, I got the nuclear option actually on Sunday. It was pretty amazing. Thank you so much. You give Brett Plyler a round of applause for sitting there doing what he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here it comes. Here it comes. Da, 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 da. All the things. Brett Plyler is my ride or die friend. I love that man. Okay. Here we go. Well, guys, in terms of the options, mild, spicy, and nuclear, this text is nuclear. This is under the counter, pull it on top. I'm going to tell you the truth. You ready for it? God, in these moments, may a holy seriousness fall on this university. For the students that are live, literally living in direct defiance to you. 
They've rejected you time and time and time again. Today, may the mercy, you're rich in mercy. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. May that gospel message seek and save the lost in this room today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a junior at North Greenville, somewhere between the years of 2000, yeah, 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 and 2000, yeah, yeah, okay, somewhere in there, um, I was a junior at North Greenville, and I went to a show for a band uh, called Five Iron Frenzy. I know none of you know it. That's fine. Uh, but there was a ska band, kind of rock band, that sort of thing. Went to a show with a friend, a uh, new friend. Got in the car. That, you know, college is, hey, we're going to a show. You want to go? They got in the car. Let's go. Didn't know him, but on the ride, it was a four-hour ride, so we rode down together. Got to make fast friends with this guy. At the show, we had a good time. We split up. We went in different directions. Uh, his name was Joseph Bunn. And uh, never got to see Joseph again because a week later he died. Drove up with him, went to the show, danced my heart out, man, we rocked. It was so much fun. Hey, man, I'll see you later back on campus. A week later, he's not there. I asked Dr. Krause, our most senior campus pastor, how many you know, people have died as students at North Greenville in your tenure? He said 17. Didn't hesitate to answer that question. 17 funerals he's had to attend. I, I'm, 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 I'm being pretty, I'm pretty confident that will only add to that number. Am I right? Is the mortality rate on earth still 100%? Everyone here has an appointment with death. Every one of you. And you can try to laugh this off. You can try to. You can try to dissent, say, I mean, I don't want to think about that. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. But the reality is the Bible says it is appointed for you to die. You have an appointment with death. By the way, you're going to be dead for a really long time. You might want to think about it. So back to this uh, thread here. Let's see if I can find it. Here we go. So this thread right here represents eternity. You see this little bit of red right here? You see it? If you see it, say yeah. At least give me some sign of life. Here we go. Okay. This red right here represents eternity. I mean, sorry, represents your life. This thread that's going around, it represents eternity. In fact, this little bit of red, it doesn't just represent your life. It represents all of human history. And this thread right here represents eternity. And what you do inside this red makes a difference for what's going to happen for this thread. And while this ball of yarn does have an end, eternity doesn't. Oh, man, but I'm checking social media. Oh, man, you know, I've got girlfriends. Oh, man, I'm doing these things. I'm I, I, Great. But what are you doing for eternity? I love that we are a school that goes to dances and has fun things. I, mean, I love that. 
I love that about my, I'm so proud of my school. But to come in here week after week after week after week, the danger of a place like North Greenville University, one of the most dangerous places, is that Monday and Wednesday and Thursday, you have all of these opportunities extended to you time and time again, the grace of God extended to you, and you ricochet that message instead of receive it. You say, oh, man, I'll push it off. I'll talk about it later. The mortality rate is 100%. You will die. And by the way, you're not going to be able to fake your way into eternity. The danger of places like this is you can learn to fake it. I've seen it many times. Some of you right now are sitting in judgment of me, the preacher. That's just the way Joshua G. is. He likes everything spicy. And you're just like, well, you, there's probably some truth to that. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm deserving of some of that judgment. Some of you sit in judgment of the preacher. Some of you sit in judgment of the book that I'm preaching. Some of you are sitting in judgment of the God who wrote the book that I'm preaching. Students, listen to me. There is only one judge. And the job's already taken. You're not it. One day, students, you will stand before your judge. I was in Chicago for five years, and all the time I'd see this tattoo. And it was pretty common in different places. I'd see it here. I'd see it kind of across the neck. Only God can judge me. And I think it's a Tupac quote. I'm not sure. I'm not as big on hip-hop as I maybe I should be, but I, I don't, I, only God can judge me. And the crazy thing is, I actually agree with that tattoo. I agree with that message. Ultimately, they're right. Only God ultimately can judge you. But the crazy thing that ought to send a shiver down your spine is He will. He will. God one day will judge you. There is... What we do over here the next, you know, 20 minutes might change the next 20 years of your life or maybe the next 200 million years of your life. Receive him. Receive Christ. In, these, in the moments while you live and breathe, receive Christ. For many of you, it's not a lack of information. You know the gospel. You could tell it to me. It's not a lack of information. It's a lack of application. You have not yet received him. There are five positions on the afterlife. I've entitled this message, by the way, Death, Destiny, and Eternity. But there's five popular positions on what happens after you die. I'm just Because it's an academic institution, I feel like I need to give you those positions so you'll kind of know before we jump into the text here. The first position is after you die, it's called the naturalist position. That you're just dirt. You're just nature. You're just material. So after you die, nothing happens. Earthworms eat your body. That's the end done. There is no judgment. Basically, you live and you die. There is no judgment. There's, you're just here for the moment. That's the naturalist position. So just live for the day. There's another position I never thought would be super trendy in the States, but man, it has. It's called reincarnation. I'm seeing it all the time on social media, reincarnation. All these uh, people really starting to popularize this Hindu idea. It's the idea of the caste system. 
that, you know, that you live, you live a somewhat good life, and you come back and reincarnate into another caste. You know, if you live a bad life, you reincarnate into a lower caste. If you're super bad, you reincarnate into some sort of animal or cow or insect or dog. And uh, Dr. Sam Ismer was a missionary friend of mine, medical missionary. He was born in the, what's called the untouchable caste. Just think about that. Living in a world where there's a class of people, they're called the untouchables. He was brilliant. He went to the United States, got his doctorate, medical license, all the things. Went back to India, practiced medicine, and he touched the untouchable. And I asked him, I said, how do you feel about reincarnation? Here's what he said to me. He said, Joshua, it's a demonic system. You treat people like crap because you feel like they believe, like they earned it. You're trapped in this system where you just have, you can't get any escape out of this. Man, I'm in this caste system, so I have to die to try to escape out of it. And contrast that with the God of the Bible who says, whatever you've done unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. A God who loves the unlovable. Reincarnation is a view that some people hold, maybe even here. The naturalist view is a view, maybe some of you. Purgatory is another view. After you die, that you go to some sort of celestial waiting room. After you die, that you, you don't go to heaven, you don't go to hell, you go to this place in between. And then uh, at some point, you know, uh, you get permission, you know. This has been used historically as sort of a way of manipulating people through guilt and fear. That's just how that has panned out historically. So in the reincarnation system, you have justification to dishonor people. In the purgatory system, you have justification to not really worry about it because it will be worked out in between. A third or fourth system is universalism or annihilationism. They're two separate systems, but they're pretty much the same thing. Universalism is that we all end up going to heaven in the end. You're really not that bad a person. You're actually quite good. And in the end, it'll all work out. So Hitler will be there. Pol Pot will be there. Saddam Hussein will be there. Does heaven sound like heaven, by the way? Mm-mm. But that's, that's universalist. Universally, we'll all get there. Or annihilationism, which is basically this idea that the super bad people will just be killed. Uh, they'll be snuffed out and that they will cease to exist. We're back to the naturalist position. That they basically, they live, but they're totally done. There is no afterlife for them. Is that making sense? You guys got those positions, yeah? But there's another position, and it's the biblical position, and it's all through Scripture, that after you die, you will go one of two places, heaven or hell. And by the way, God is not going to negotiate the terms of the afterlife with you as to which system you prefer. God doesn't do that. And I'm just coming here as a truth teller. I'm trying my best to just say, hey, I'm reading this book. God, our, the founder of our faith, Jesus Christ, actually talked about hell a lot. 
He described it vividly, where the worm dies not, the gnashing of teeth, where there's no return, where you can't warn your loved ones. It's called the trash heap, Gehenna. I mean, he ta- it was like, these are just the phrases he uses to describe this place. Place of eternal separation, heaven and hell. And I'll talk about describing heaven in just a minute. But I want you guys to sit in this, the reality of this, for a moment. Maybe you've gone all semester and you haven't thought once about death. Or maybe you've had someone die, a loved one die from COVID or whatever. Maybe you've thought a lot about death. Hebrews 9.27, this is what the scripture says. This is the scripture I asked you to turn to early on. It says, it is appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment. Actually, the Bible does answer the question, what happens after you die? Two words, the judgment. God will make a judgment about where you go. Is appointed, by the way, this is one appointment you will not be late for. You'll be right on time. You won't, be, you won't miss it. You'll be right on time, right on schedule. You will die. God will make a judgment what happens to you. So the expression, only God can judge me, he will. Matthew 20, this is what's going to happen. I'm just reading Jesus' teaching on what's going to happen. Again, I, I don't, you can write the text down. You can go back and look into it. Matthew 25, 21, what happens after you die? Here's what he says. We're going to have one group of people, and they're going to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Christian, don't you long to hear those words? Amen? And then he's going to look to his left, and he's going to say, To the other group, depart from me, you accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Some of you guys have sat in church your whole life and you've never actually heard that preached. It doesn't change. He talked about it a lot. If you're simply reading the New Testament... Jesus goes nuclear in his sermons so much, so often, that the crowds left him. After he preached like this, his disciples got around him and said, Hey, just so you know, the people really don't like these sermons, and they're leaving. You see, they were there for when Jesus was performing the miracles. They were there for when Jesus was giving out the free food. But the minute Jesus started telling the truth... They left. Maybe that's true in here. Hard facts you need to face. Students, listen to me. Life is short. You will die, and heaven and hell are real. Those are facts. James 4.14, it says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? It is but a mist, a vapor, a little thing, and it vanishes. What is your life? It's just, just, it's just that. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, As in Adam, all die. 
John 3.36. I love this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not believe in the Son shall not see life. Could he be any more clear? The bottom line is life is short, death is certain, heaven and hell are real. Now, if I ended this message right here, everyone here has a right to just leave depressed, kicking a can. Man, this is the worst sermon of I've ever heard ever. Some of you guys have already committed in your heart that that's the truth anyway, and that's fine. But the sermon does not end here. Listen to what Jesus we call ourselves a Christ-centered university, where Christ makes the difference. Listen to what Jesus Christ said about the afterlife. I love this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that God gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what everlasting Life. John 5, 24, Jesus said, truly, truly, I sell to you, whoever hears my words and believes who sent me, he does not have judgment. He has passed from death to life. Revelation 21, 4, he, Jesus, he himself, I love this, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and their mourning shall be no more. No more crying, no more pain for the former things have passed away. Amen. Jesus is better than naturalism. You're more than just a recycled piece of dirt floating through space. Jesus is better than reincarnation, some sort of cruel system that you can't escape from. Jesus is better than purgatory, than some sort of cosmic waiting room. Who really likes waiting rooms anyway? Terrible idea. Jesus is better than universalism. If he just lets everybody in, then all of a sudden heaven starts to look like hell. Am I right? There's no judgment. Some of you guys have been sinned against in incredible ways, horrible ways. And you need to know that there is a loving God in heaven. He says, you know what? That sin will be punished. And that holy God will do that. There's an opportunity right now, students, while some of you sleep. In this room. By some of you text in this room. And say Joshua G's an idiot on some sort of social media platform. I know. <laughs> While I'm speaking, God is extending a loving invitation for you to receive him. The Bible says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for you. He loves you. So, wow, the blood still runs warm in your veins. Repent. Turn to him. God, your Holy Spirit, please convince your people. Those who have not yet received, God, please. Help them receive Christ. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Come to terms with your mortality. I plead with you guys, today is the day of judgment. There will be a judgment 
Today is the day of salvation, but there will be a judgment. Separates the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, the saved from the condemned, the good and faithful servants from the workers of lawlessness, the heaven and hell. All of this is just straight Bible reading. I want you to consider the seriousness of this moment. The gospel is this. God made you. He loves you. He walks with you. But we don't love him. We do what we want to do. Students, there are some of you, you go through your entire day, you don't think once about what God thinks about that. You don't think about God at any point at all in your day. Not one time at a Christian school. You're so arrogant, so filled with self that you strut even when you sit down. You think that when you're going to get to heaven, Jesus is going to run up to you and ask for your autograph. He's not. The Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I don't think I'm earning any cool points by preaching this text today. I'm not trying to. I've cashed them all in a long time ago. With holy seriousness, guys, repent, turn to Christ. And he will save you. God loves you. He died for you. He made a way of escape for you. You can be saved right now. He's rich in mercy. He's great in love. He extends grace to people who hate him. Close your eyes, if you would. Uh, You won't be able to fake your way into eternity, so it really doesn't matter what other people think, okay? It's not like there's going to be a popularity contest in heaven. What do you think about this person? You know, what do you think about that person? God knows everything. Eternity hangs in the balance this morning. 